Northwest Prime, bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com and be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7-365 for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. You know, it's really my pleasure to get to introduce you to this singer-songwriter today, Ed Roman. Please remember that name. He writes the type of music and plays the type of music I really like to hear. Sometimes you have to kind of evolve yourself into music, and some music you know right off the bat. And Ed's that way with me. He he writes kind of these funky, quirky, um, I, I, I hate to say the way the, the word grungy songs, but it, it, it does kind of fit because it's sometimes grungy kind of you know turns people off. But um, but 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 at the heart of it, that's that's what Ed is doing. Just real songs that they kind of make you smile, they make you think, um, they're good for your soul. I really love music that's good for your soul. So thanks, Ed, for coming on today. And we're going to talk about this great music, especially one of my most favorite songs um, that I've been playing all week long is your song, The World Keeps on Turning. So I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on today. Lori, it's great to be here in Seattle. Hello, Seattle. I, I love Seattle. I was down there years ago, um, a friend or an ex-girlfriend, actually, uh, her sister and uh, brother-in-law lived down there and he was working i think for microsoft at the time but i played in pike place market for about eight days bought the little pass did a little audition went out to westport actually went and visited hendrick's grave so i have a picture nice. of that, actually, that 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 that's that shot in the studio and i mean <laughs> i don't know if you've ever been there before have you ever been there Larry? No, it's it's on my list to go to the grave i've been up to up on capitol hill they have his statue Okay. And it's and so I've been there many times, taken everybody there, and we all take our pictures and you know hug Jimmy and, and the whole bit on on this great statue that's just right on the sidewalk out there. And so wow. I'm I'm up there a lot, but I'm meaning to go to the great site. I I just I just haven't I just haven't been out there to do it's, that. It's awe-inspiring because even when you get there, you're, you're you start thinking to yourself, well, will will I be able to find it? And the reality mm-hmm. of it is, is that when you get to the actual graveyard doorway or the opening, the gates, th- there's an, an alarming amount of picks, and you actually follow the picks, and it leads right to Jimmy's grave. And and as you get closer, there's more and more. It's almost like they're clicking under your feet. And when I wow. was there, it looked like they had ripped up like the old turf and put down new sod, because I guess uh-huh. there's so many people that visit the site that they just have to keep maintenancing it. And I, and I don't think Al lives too far from there, actually, his dad. I, I don't think so either. And, and, and his brother um, also is in the area, and his niece, uh, they, they have a, a great foundation that they run here in Seattle to help music. And, in fact, uh, they're going to be coming on the show in, in the near future. But it's, it's absolutely a, a must-be, like you were saying. You don't even have to be, you know, a musician you just have to be kind of just a lover of music and pop culture and and there's so much of it same with bruce and brandon lee you can go to their burial site here in, wow, in wow, seattle wow. and uh kurt cobain has many many i mean somebody should put together like a whole kurt cobain um 
tour because, you know, the places he ate and the places him and Courtney stayed a lot of times when they were hiding out, it's all kind of in the Pike Market District or up on Capitol Hill. And, and so there's just really great things that you can go and you can kind of feel that. Were, were you busking when you were in Pike Market? Yeah, I was there, and I had, like, all this open space just because, you know, my girlfriend was visiting with her family. So I thought, hey, you know, I can't not go down there. And then you know how they have all the little, I don't know if they still have the little uh, notes painted on the ground as you walk through. Right, yeah. the circle, right? So I did the audition. I think it was, like, nine bucks, and it was for, mm-hmm. like, five days or something or six days. And I played for 12 hours a day. I just I grabbed an acoustic. I bought one while I was there at a, at a hawk shop. And and played and it was it was the best. I met so many amazing people there and just being in the market, I love the market feel. Like we have a place here too called Kensington Market as well as Saint Lawrence Market in Toronto. And it's got the same feel, but it's nowhere nearly as big and extensive and historical as is what you've got there. It's it's just such an incredible vibe. It like oozes out of the brick as you're walking around. Absolutely. You know, I'm an ambassador for Park, uh, Pike Place Market. I've had a lot of the buskers on the show, and a, a lot of the, the the musicians that kind of, you'd say, kind of made it still go down and busk time to time at Pike Place Market, and because just kind of honing their skills or trying out new material, and, and a lot of people, because the, the cruise ships come in and they let off, you know, really hundreds of thousands of people, there's so many people in the market kind of in any given time, and a lot of times they won't even realize kind of who's playing before them, but, but the buskers down there are working musicians, and they just do a fantastic job, and I'm, I'm so happy that you had the you had that experience, because it's really oh, magical. Oh, yeah, and, and, and why not keep doing it? I mean, even cats in New York are like, you know, when Miles was still alive, you'd see him at Christmas time with his horn and a bunch of people out somewhere playing. Um, Branford Marcel still does stuff like that. It's healthy. I mean, it keeps you grounded as, as people. Like, I mean, I had the fortunate ability of meeting like Dave Holland, Jack DeJanet, and Herbie Hancock. And they were playing here in Toronto. And, 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 you know, Massey Hall, old Massey Hall, which is a wonderful place to see music, you know, the, the concert was just stellar, and we had 10th row center seats. And after the show, I mean, you know, th- there's a great little alleyway that you can kind of go, and there's buses parked there and meet people. But, there, you know, out of all the people that I've met, the prowess of these, these particular people and, the, and who they've played with and just over the years, they're so welcoming as people, and you can have a very pleasant conversation with them without feeling like there's this ego or this standoffishness. And that really bothers me about artists, some artists today. And I've got stories about that from the past, where you know you hear like, well, somebody refused to sign an autograph for some kid that's dying, and it's like, well, why? You know, why do you right. have to let your ego invade that situation? And it's like you're just a person, and I think that's what actually allows you to grow. Because when that when that infiltrates everything and you start buying into all the other stuff, it's like, what are you really doing here? I mean, you're you're buying into the the commerciality of the ego trip that's going on, and you're not being yourself, and you're not growing. And you know, Willie Nelson's that way. You can approach Willie and talk to him and his whole family. Last time he was here in Toronto, I got to meet a whole bunch of them, and it was like, this is unbelievable, you know. And this is Willie Nelson. Like, this is wild. Well, and I, I think that that comes through, and the fans pick up on that. And those people, uh, Tesla is kind of the, uh, the the same way. Um, these bands and artists who make this real connection with the fans like that, and, and and remain grounded and remain connected to the fans, their fans remember that, and it really sustains them for the longevity of their career. 
Oh, Dizzy Gillespie was infamous for, like, if he'd be walking down the street and somebody would talk to him and they had some questions and it was maybe something musical or technical related. Dizzy wouldn't hesitate if he had the time to pull you into, like, some little restaurant, grab some napkins and a pen and start explaining things to you, even though he didn't even know who you were, just to get into the idea of, like, well, this is this is the sharing of the knowledge and, and learning from each other. Even Oscar Peterson said himself, and he was the chancellor of music at York University, and he said, I will never stop learning till the day I die. And I think that's really healthy. You know, you're always, you're always going then on this journey because it's the journey that's, that's the most important thing. You know, it's like the, from the Paulo Kalela book, The Alchemist, where, you know, the kid is told that, you know, his gold is at the pyramids and he lives in Spain and he has to make this incredible journey on foot to get from A to B. But, you know, when he gets there, he realizes there's nothing but a desert and some pyramids sticking out of the sand. And the recollection is is that, you know, it's the experience and the people that he's met and the experiences that he's had that has created this treasure in his life. So it's the same thing, I think, with, with good music and good writing and even people we look to in the past that we, 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 we say today, well, they're iconic. It's, they were always growing. You know, the Beatles were infamous for this. When they started off their, their career, they were covering music and writing, you know, more sort of poppy kind of tunes. But as they grew... They blossomed into this whole creative bundle of new ideas and expression where, you know, you could write a pop tune, people would be getting into it, and you go from time changes that are like 2-4 to 4-4 to a 6-8 feel all inside of one song. And, and it's, it's sometimes hard to find that today in pop music. It's very sort of driven straight ahead and forward. It's more about, you know, once again, the, the superficial aspect of it, and that you're driven a lot by sexuality in many ways, and, and there is sexuality in music, but the reality of it is that it comes in many other parcels other than just what's up front and shoved in your face, right? Well, and, and really, like you were saying, there's that, 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 create, uh, that creativity that happens in music, it, it happens at those levels, on that smaller level, on a couple musicians feeding off of each other here or there, or, or, or busking, or, or playing in small venues. That's really where the magic happens. Now, then it kind of blows up and you go to these, you know, once it's kind of perfected at, at these, you know, stadium events. But, but that's not where the magic was created. The magic maybe continues there. But where it's really happening and where it's transforming music and you're seeing all of these different things, like you were saying, going down the difference in time and, and, uh, and different things like that, really happens at that really grassroots level. And when you get out, to support that type of music, you're really on the forefront of what's happening in the changing music at that time. That's why I always tell people that they really got to support local music because that's oh man, it's it's just incredible what's what's going on at that level. Laurie, that is a diamond bullet statement what you just made because that is so true. Culturally, we're we're identified by what happens at that level. And so much is created. That's where art comes from, is the fact that people are living their lives in, in day-to-day circumstances, and they're, they're taking the responsibility to recollect on it, write it down, you know, uh, emotionally apply music to it in some way to be able to transform those day-to-day thoughts that we all have. And, it, and it's so true, because it, it's important to support that in our culture it's the big stadium events and you know it's making the press it's on the tv and the lights are there and everything is going crazy there's 250,000 people but it's really unintimate at that level it's more of a happening at that point whereas mm-hmm. on a, on, a, on a community level where it's in your neighborhood and it can be happening four or five nights a week 
is is really where the growth happens and where it stays strong. And you know, even in Canada, like that's why I admire so much more of what's going on in the states as far as music culture. And as you may have put it, it may be you know suffering in some ways, but Canada has even less of that. Whereas like it's there's you know I hate to say it, but there's a lot of cultural apathy when it comes to participating in that kind of stuff. And you know, tech, I, 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 as much as I love technology, and, and we can you know use it on an umpteen amount of levels for communication and other things, it, it's also sort of bred this sense of complacency with people when it comes to participating in in those physical, like you said, grassroots kinds of things. So, and and, and in the past, even on an archaeological level, I mean, it's those things that that we dig up from people's day-to-day lives that's on pottery and instruments and jewelry and things that we find that are de- depicting what people did so we know everything about them. We know everything about their culture, how they flourished, what they did, how they paid people. You know, All of that stuff is depicted somewhere in art. Aside from the, you know, the exacerbated aspect of it, and like the huge mega concert factor, you know, that's why I actually like smaller tours like Lollapalooza and things like that, where, you know, you'd have a, a 25,000 people or 30,000 people. There were outdoor events, lots of different bands, lots of participation. There were all these little mini Woodstocks that were kind of happening all over the place, and a lot of those little tours are like that. But but it's so true. People, you know, really need to support that because that's what. That's what keeps it alive, you know, and, and, and allows people like me or you or anybody else that plays music or creates art to, to keep doing it because it's, it's what puts bread on our table ultimately. You know, we're not buying jet planes with this stuff. Exactly, exactly. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge supporter. In, in fact, I've done a whole show about um, buying music. Um, you know, it's, it's it's such a small price, ninety nine cents, a dollar nine, something like that. Um, the artist puts it, all the money in up front, and I, I won't go on this rant because they've already heard it. But they, <laughs> they they put all of it in up up front, okay? And then how they make their money back is they, you know, they've already produced the product. So if we're going to listen to it, then we should buy it. And it, it's uh, there's a there's a band in in Ireland uh, called the 20 man and, and they wrote a song kind of like this called the, it was called take a penny. And okay. basically it was the, the, the theme of that is that musicians don't mind putting those little pennies in the penny jar for you to take a penny if you need it so you can enjoy their art. But if everyone takes a penny and nobody puts a penny back, then you run out of pennies, you know? Right. And so that's right, kind right. of the, the same concept on music. And so the, the musicians put the, 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 the pennies in, and we, get, and we benefit as, well, and you know what? It's okay. and as music lovers. You're right, and it's okay to rant about it because it's also like, what, you know, Kennedy said, you know, that we have to work for our freedoms, and we have to work for many things in this day and age, including keeping things alive. But you're right, it becomes sort of a cultural responsibility and, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and an unspoken thing, but it's, it's the act of doing it. I always say to a lot of my students, it's like, well, you know, what's they have, you know, how do you feel about people copying music or stealing music or stuff? And I'm like, you know what? If people are alive and they're creating the music, buy it so that you're supporting them. If they've passed on and publishing houses or, you know, really not blood relatives anymore or making any then then share it. Do do what you do at least like we did in the past with other stuff, whether it was us making tapes of vinyl or or whatever it was that we did. But but that that way at least you're keeping it alive. It's like, you know, buy the living and tape the dead. 
so so at least at least it keeps that you know supported and that that you know how how did you say share a penny take a penny it's the same kind of thing it's it's just it's really not a lot i mean i've seen classic records online that are like you know 50 some odd songs of a compilation of a certain artist like uh, louis prima or something it's 9 9.99 6.99 and i'm like wow like that's really cheap i mean louis's gone mm-hmm. and but his music mm-hmm. is still alive and but i'll still end up paying for something like that just just this is who i am and i have a huge record collection still and stuff like that but that's also something like where you feel like you you're part of something once again it's like going to the small clubs when when i when i buy a cd or when i used to buy records or or anything like that i mean when I'm holding something in my hand and I'm looking at it, and I remember times with buddies, you know, at their houses listening to vinyl, we'd all be lying on the floor. Somebody would have to take the turn to flip the vinyl, but we—it was a listening experience. We passed the record around. Everybody was checking out what the artwork meant. There was something that you know, it was like more like a part of you that you were, you know, inside of the project. And nowadays, it's like even if I look at a student's iPod or something like that. And I think, well, they have X amount of artists that are on here. I think, well, they might have the whole album, but they don't. They only have one mm-hmm. song, and, and it's, it comes from that record, but they don't have the whole album. And, and the artwork is a little JPEG, you know, a little thumbnail that's no, you know, smaller than a penny. And, and th- there's, there's really nothing else other than that unit that they're holding in their hand and listening to the music. So there's a, there's a detachment there in that way as well. But it's important to talk about. It's like, well, you know, you can, we can, you know, bitch and complain about it, but the reality is, we need to because we need to keep it alive. Well, I, I think also a, a lot of us who kind of grew up with the whole album experience need to kind of be the teachers for the younger generation who kind of grew up with this. Um, buy one song, you can kind of cherry pick your songs, which on some level is is okay, but 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 you really miss that album experience. You know, I've talked about before how. You know, I, I, I used to buy an album for one song, but I'd have to listen. I'd listen to the whole album, and then maybe a month later, two months later, there was a whole different song that became my favorite on that album that I would have never even heard had I just bought that one song. But because I was able to, I had to buy the entire album. I had this whole musical experience, like you were saying. I'd lay on my bed, I'd look at the artwork, I'd read the liner notes, I would study the song, side A, side B, um, you know, and and there would be these little gems, you know. I thought I was buying for one song, but this whole different experience opened up by by having that whole album there. And and I think kids are missing out on that now because they, they can just go and just buy one song and, they you know, they don't have to record a whole album. Now on a musician side, you know, maybe they don't have to do a whole album. I mean, they can just do EPs and, and, and that'll be good enough, but um, it's cheaper, you know, so I, I kind of see both sides, but there really is something about putting out an album and having well, yeah, that journey and, that, that takes you on throughout the album. And you know, and when you're working on songs, like, I mean, you're, you know, there could be 40 songs that you've written in the last while, but there's 10 or 14 or something that work together in a way that sort of explains and sums up the subject matter in a title and in the, in the artwork and all of those kinds of things. So I think it is still important, but because, like you say, they just don't have to go out and buy the whole thing, the, the reality is that they, like, they don't grow then with the artist or the record or find those new, like you say, gems, because then that way the actual experience lasts twice or ten times as long 
as as you grow with the record. You you might you know fall in love with the first cut off the record because you heard it on the radio, but then as you bought the album, you know from week to week, you like you said, you like oh I just fell in love with this other song and I, it's a whole new thing and I I really love it and it changes your whole perspective for that next couple of weeks until you find the quote unquote next gem, you know that really absolutely turns your crank right. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, how, Ed, has your musical experience kind of evolved and changed over the years? Well, that's a great question, Lori. I mean, I've always been playing music. I've always been, you know, interested in it. The the experience of how it made people feel and react, uh, the potency of lyrics, uh, as I grew as a young musician, it was it was my family around me um, and the realization of how they felt about music that made it so strong for me. I mean, um, one of my earliest memories um, as a kid, other than, you know, sort of playing to my family and singing songs that my grandmother and my mom taught me, um, was I, I remember coming home, and it was 1980, and it was school, uh, after school, and I, I came into the kitchen. My dad and my brother and my sister and my grandmother were crying, and I thought somebody had died in, in my family, like my uncle or something, and something terrible's happened, and I asked them what happened. And my my grandmother had said, with sort of a weeping voice, that John Lennon had been killed. And just the the potency of of that that my all my family, three generations of people were sitting there weeping over this particular person's music, and the impact that it had on them. And and so for me, the growth of it was always this search for truth and knowledge, whether it be in what I'm saying. And how I'm saying it, and at the same time, how I'm growing technically, because I've always tried to push myself technically as a musician. I, I grew up also too at a time where so many, you know, of my peer group played instruments. It was something that we all did. There was no phones. There was no computers. It was like if you had a guitar or a bass or a drum kit, you know, you were doing something. And we pushed each other, and and the the type of music that we started to get into, whether it was progressive music or jazz music or what, didn't matter. It always pushed us in some kind of way. So there, there's always been this very strong, you know, personal growth that I've had uh, 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 in terms of the, my perspective on music and my philosophy on music. So I'm I'm always searching as an artist. I, I try not to have any musical prejudices when it comes to to listening to music or, or, or playing kinds of music. Because I think that if it's good, you know, Duke Ellington once said there's two kinds of music. There's good music and bad music and, and many different genres of it. And, but it's how it feels and it's emotional sincerity and, and, and mixed with technical aspects or simplistic aspects that really simplistic aspects that come from your heart. So, you know, I, I guess that's where it is for me. As uh, it's a philosophical thing as well as a spiritual thing. If, if you're hearing that in my music and it and it makes you feel good or it makes you think, I think I, in your preemptive you said you know Ed's music you know is is fun and quirky and kind of crazy. But at the same time, uh, I'm also trying to make people think. I think that it, it, it sort of ties into our conversation with where you know if everything is up front and delivered to you in this way that's so literal. You know, it, it, it doesn't have that searching experience. Like, what is this person trying to say in this grouping of, 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 of words? And, 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 and even if it doesn't take on the literal meaning of what I wanted to write about, it becomes your experience. It means something to you. 
in, in, in your day and how you feel. And that's what I'm trying to do. I think any, any good artwork, like, I mean, you might walk up to a, you know, an impressionistic piece and you might see, well, it could be like you know, a picnic scene or something like that. But the imagery and the color and the, and the vibe and everything that it's giving off is so much more in depth. In, you know, and, and photographs do that as well too. But there's also things that are way that are set, uh, set up in photographs that make it look, you know, like this was set up. Or it's, it's, it's the beauty of the candid shot. It's the same kind of thing. It has that energy to it. And I'm always trying to follow that as a, as a writer. And, and, and as, as time goes on, I mean, you know, the process itself, it can be like very long because it takes a long time to compose a technical piece sometimes. Sometimes it comes much quicker. Sometimes lyrics come quickly. Sometimes you need to work on them. But I'm always searching for that, 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 that feeling that no matter how many you know, records you do or how many songs you write, that when you look back, that those songs still have those feelings. Technically, you'll always be able to say, you know, I'm growing as a technical musician. I was, you know, 16 then, I was 24 then, I was 30 then, whatever it was. But they have those earnest uh, senses of jus, that, that, that zest, that, 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 that say, you know, it came from the right place. Well, I like um, mystical kind of music and art. I I, I like when the artist doesn't give you the the whole thing. They just don't serve it up to you on a on a silver platter and say, "Here it is." I like when they give you a little bit of an insight, and then you have to dig a little bit deeper for it. And right. every time you hear it, or every time you look at it, something you know, a, a, a new little leaf is open, and, and you go, "Oh man, I didn't catch that that time." I love <laughs> that kind of thing, and so that's why I really like listening to your music so much this time because, like, every single time I'd I'd get a little bit more, and, and maybe on my moods, you know, I, I I could interpret something, you know, uh, out of it. With, with my mood changes, you know, if I'm a little more happy, if I'm a little more um, complacent, if I'm, you know, a little more introspective, all these different things, when those music come on, it, it, it unravels itself just a little more. I love music like that because it's, it's new every single time. I also like art like that. Um, the art that I have around my house is, you know, I mean, at first glance, it, it might be like, you know, a, a picture. Um, but it, when it, then when you really look and study it, you see all these other things. And, and that's just very typical of, of, of my art in general, how I like music and how I like um, uh, visual art as well. Well, and diversity is so important, too. I mean, just look at nature itself. I mean, it's so complex and so diverse. There's, 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 no, there's no symmetry and, and it's so chaotic in, in, in so many ways. And even with my records and stuff, and people will say, well, what, what, what do you classify yourself as? Because, you know, I, I play a folk number. I'll play a pop kind of number. I'll play a, a jazzy number. Uh, uh, there's such a wide variety of things that I offer. And as a writer, it's hard for me. You know, that's what drives me crazy sometimes about newer artists is that, you put on a record and every tune kind of sounds the same, or from record to record, the the main track is the same. You know, it sounds the same. It has the same kind of feel. I like the diversity of stuff. And as a writer, it also it breaks breaks things up because you can get into a really dark, you know, writer's block space, having to try to you know imitate yourself or repeat yourself in some kind of way just because it was a popular song. I mean, so I understand it's like you made a lot of money or whatever from that song, but why are you making art? Like, 
that's what that's what music to me is. I understand it's a commodity, it's a commercial thing for people today, and it has been for a long time. But the reality of it is, is that I write music and I've always been writing music because I need to. And if it comes out in a certain way, then so be it. And why should I be the one to judge it? The important thing is that it's coming to me. It's showing itself in some way, and I, and I need to act on it. And, and what, it, what it's done for me as, a, as, a, as an artist is that it's helped me grow. It's helped me branch out in so many different ways in, in, in my life, in, other than just even in music, because it helps you experience different things in other ways without putting a boundary on it, by saying, I, I can't do that. I can't do this, and I think that's unhealthy, and, and sometimes those boundaries we put on is, is, the, is the worst thing that we can do, and it's the same thing with music. It's like if a tune comes out like that, you know, it's a country number, so what? If it's a jazz mm-hmm. tune, so what? You know, follow it because it's saying something to you, and then that way it has more clarity. You're not trying to ram it into a box and make it something that it's not. Mm-hmm. You need to come to Seattle. You, you need to tell Michael, your manager, to get you some gigs in Seattle because Seattle will love you. You are the kind of storyteller that, 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 that the music lovers of Seattle and the Pacific Northwest really love what, what, what you bring to the table. And I think that you would find uh, um, quite an audience here. And, and I'm sure it's like that around the world as well, but you know we're focused right here in in Seattle music, and we've been saying for a long time there's something really great going on in in Seattle. We've had a lot of wonderful artists coming out of this area, but we but these artists have come from other places, and they've come to this kind of this music mecca. I mean, there's several of them around the United States, one being Nashville and Austin and uh, Los Angeles, but Seattle is another one of those uh, meccas of music and I think the world is kind of finding out about those and, and and you would be a perfect, perfect fit and we welcome you to come anytime to come to Seattle. You need to get Michael on that. I will get him on <laughs> and, plenty and of what, I, I, for you to play. I, I, I'm planning on getting down there as soon as I can. I'm thinking like mid to late August and definitely for the fall in September and October and making like a, a cross country trip with my acoustic and 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 that, it, it's beautiful. Thank you so much for saying that because it's you know storytelling. You know you're talking about the vibe and like that is so important in our culture. Even just on a one-to-one basis, talking to people or in small groups, I loved that as a kid, and and even as an adult today, when I meet new people and I hear them talk about stuff, you know, in a passionate way, whether it's part of their own family allegory or or whatever it is, is that it has that, you know. Uh, character to it, and and that it, in some way, just by relaying the information and its wonder, is is what's most important. That's part of the learning experience, as far as I'm concerned. And and the way you know anything aside from what we do technologically, you know, stays alive. It's that it's that gra- once again, as you put before, that grassroots kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I love story storytelling is is like is the best thing of all to me. Well, we're going to play World Keeps on Turning, one of my favorites. Do you want to set it up for us as we as we play out to it? Sure. It was originally a, a story that um, came from a, an incident I had with my nephew around a fire. We were talking about the stars and the moon and how everything revolves in the you know planets and the galaxy. He just popped out with a statement and just went, yeah, I can't believe I'm alive sometimes, you know, at the age of five, right? And <laughs> and, and somehow that really slapped me across the face, and it made me realize that I'm alive. 
and and the, and the idea that, that the world keeps on turning is also tied into another story that I told him about the Kalahari Bushmen. The Kalahari Bushmen say you keep your bad memories below the knees so you can walk around. Because if you let them invade your your stomach and you don't feel well, you let them invade your heart, you can't love. You let them invade your speech, you can't talk. You let them invade your mind, you can't think. So you have to keep them below the knees so you can keep walking above them and move on. That is amazing. That is that is beautiful. And that is why, another reason why I love that song. We're going to play out to it, Ed Roman. I certainly appreciate that you came on. People can find more at edroman.net, right? That's your website? You got it, Lori, and it's been an extreme pleasure being with you. Well, we want to have you back on. You, you told um, Michael to get you back to Seattle and the, the, the Hard Rock Cafe. Uh, uh, he can talk to Aaron over there at the Hard Rock Cafe. They are a huge uh, supporter of music and do lots of acoustic shows and lots of full shows, and it's a, a, a really great place to jump off in Seattle for music. So we would hey. – we, we 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 could get a crowd out there for you. That's for sure. I will contact Aaron at the Hard Rock, and I might be there before you know it. Sounds good to me. All right, I'll let you know though for sure, Lori. We got to hook up and do some pizza and coffee or something. Oh my gosh, that's right up my alley. You know, <laughs> this, 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 this is the thing. Once I like you, you never shake me. I'm I'm kind of like you know a rash. So no, you you come out to the Hard Rock, and we will absolutely support that, and and I'll buy you a drink. And yeah. I'm, pizza or whatever okay okay great <laughs> all Thanks, right Lori. okay Pleasure. you're welcome Bye.
to bear the weight of it all. Keep all the bad memories below the knees so you can walk around. And I hear the world, let's turn it around. The world keeps on and choose from thousands and thousands of best-selling and new release books. 
You can also exchange a book anytime, no questions asked. We all lead busy lives, but we can download this free Audible.com app to our Android, our iPhone, iPad, Windows, Kindle, Fire, you name it. It's easy to take with you on the go, whether you're working out, in the car, cooking at home, on the way to visit a friend, however you want, you can stay up to date with the greatest books in the world through this wonderful library. I recently chose Crusher by Niall Leonard. This mystery crime drama was filled with action. It was like I was watching a movie. The narrator spoke in an English accent, and I just felt like I was right there in London town. If you choose to stay with Audible, it's only $14.95 a month, and you can cancel at any time. At least check it out. It's free. See if it's for you. Tell them Northwest Prime sent you. That's audible.com slash Northwest Prime and get to reading when it works for you. I want to thank Ed Roman for coming back. It was really a great conversation that we were having with Ed. And you can find out more at edroman.net, and hopefully he'll be in Seattle playing music pretty soon. But now we're going to switch gears. There's something really exciting going on in New York City, and it's called the New York City Tweet Up. And social media has just been exploded. And if you are aware of social media, you know exactly what we're talking about. If you're unaware of social media, you need to get on the train. Because about two years ago, I met a really great person on social media, and that's my next guest, Michelle. And we met on Twitter, and since then, Michelle and I have got to be really good friends. And we've talked offline. She's been on the show, co-hosted shows with me. And so it, that just shows you the power of social media. You've got to be careful, obviously, with, with social media. You know, just don't go running off, you know, with, with everybody you meet. But you have to use some wisdom in it. But I have been really, really lucky. And I have to be on Twitter a lot for business and for promotion, and we promote bands and music and artists and those types of things. And social media has been, a, you know, the absolutely best way and the cheapest way to to get the word out to so many people at at a limited amount of time. So thanks, Michelle, for coming on. And you are going to this huge New York City tweet-up on May 17th, right? Hi, Lori. How are you? I'm great. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. Um, it's a chance to get to meet some of the people that you spend <laughs> a lot of your time on social media with, um, you know, put a face to the Twitter handle. Um, it should be a really great time. Well, you started in, well, I don't know when you started in social media. I met you about two years ago on social media. When, when did you start getting involved in Twitter? Um, I would say it's probably been about two years as well. Um, it started back with all the, the Fifty Shades of Grey uh, media and the hype and all that, and then it uh, just sort of evolved. And I know you and I have been through quite a number of exciting things to happen to us through Twitter. So it's been, it's been mm-hmm. pretty amazing the last two years. Absolutely, yeah. I um, found at that time when I was reading Fifty Shades of Grey, it was it was brand new, just just hitting. And so a lot of us who read that book were looking for other like-minded people who had read the book and enjoyed the book to talk to. And there was a huge line that opened up on social media. And you and I met through that that strand. And then we developed, you know, this friendship through other interests that, that we had. But the first common thing we had was Fifty Shades of Grey. And then it went on. And, you know, you like movies and music. And I like movies and music. And 
and we have we've had some amazing experiences that we've been able to enjoy together on that uh, talking with some you know amazing people from around the world and so now this social media kind of nuclear explosion has just gone around the world talk about being viral everybody's doing it you have a ton of followers and can, can you kind of explain to people what what followers are and, and how twitter kind of works <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty amazing that I've I've accumulated. I mean, there's people with a lot more followers, but I've currently have 13,000, which to me is just mind blowing. Because who wants to listen to me? But yeah, basically, um, I never started out thinking I would become so addicted to a social media app, but it's been great. Um, basically, you know, Twitter is you have your Twitter handle, you you tweet out. I mean, people use it for different things. You know, um, like you said, you use it for business and to promote authors and books and music. And um, I've done the same with my blog. And basically, you know, people choose to follow your account. And so whatever you tweet out, you know, the people that follow you will see it, hopefully retweet it, which means it goes out to their followers as well. And so it's a great forum um, to get out information, uh, just to share things with other people, meet other people. And um, we've talked about this on your show that I've I've met some amazing authors. Uh, we've both talked to producer Dana Brunetti, and this has all happened through the power of social media. Mm-hmm. Well, on May 17th in in, in Manhattan, then there's going to be a New York City tweet up. People can follow that at. You put the at sign NYC underscore tweet up, and they can keep in contact kind of with what's going on up to that date. Uh, they can, of course, follow you, and um, you can let us know about other people that's, you know, that uh, they can follow as well, or, or if we should just keep them right at that NYC underscore tweet up. But it's going to be a pretty big event there in Manhattan. Yeah, it's, uh, like you said, May 17th. It starts at 9 p.m. at uh, a bar called Stout NYC. I think it's an Irish pub, um, and it's going to be pretty amazing. There's going to be some pretty big tweeters there. Um, and I do want to mention before the tweet-up, there is a comedy show that's taking place at um, a place called Lucky Jack's NYC. And some of the well-known Twitter comedians are doing a comedy show before the tweet-up. Um, and some of the names that are going to be there, uh, people listening might recognize them from Twitter, um, Travis LeBlanc, Rob Elliott, Randy Lawson, Dan Lauer. Um, these are all pretty big names if you follow them on Twitter. They're really funny accounts, um, and they're doing a show, like I said, at 6.30 before the tweet-up. Um, so you can go and see that and meet some other fellow tweeters and then head over to the bar and take lots of selfies. <laughs> And so the the purpose of a tweet up then is to actually meet in the physical the people that you've been talking to online in a public yes. setting. Yes, I've never been to one. I've seen pictures um, from ones that take place really all over the country. Um, I think there's even been some in Canada. But it's it's amazing because, yeah, you do spend a lot of time online with these people and you, you form an online relationship. Um but I think it's a great thing to, or maybe not, to <laughs> go and meet these people that you've you've come to love and adore and consider real friends, actually. So um, I know I'm excited. I have a friend from Chicago. Is it Chicago? Yeah. Um, writer PT is her at Twitter handle, and she's flying in from Chicago, someone from Boston. 
um, Rainia is coming in. I have people from New Jersey coming, and I've never met any of these ladies, but it's going to be pretty amazing to get us all together in one room to finally meet. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's in a public place, so you feel safe and, and secure because it's just not, you know, right, you're on not the street or at somebody's house or something. Walmart right. <laughs> parking lot or something, <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a public bar, and, um, you know, they've done these things before. And, and what I've heard, they're a lot of fun, you know. It's just it's great to actually meet people in person. It makes it real. Um, I'm sure everybody will just be tweeting live about it and and I do want to mention that yes, we're going to be tweeting or broadcasting live mm-hmm. from the bar um on Saturday, which will be exciting just so people absolutely we're gonna do what's going on <laughs> we're we're gonna be doing a live show from the tweet up and it, we're gonna be on at ten uh let's see ten ten eastern right is that the time we said or eleven ten, eastern ten do I think we said eleven Eastern time, yeah. Okay, so it'll be 8 o'clock on the West Coast. So we're going to be able to listen in on all this. We're going to talk to some of the tweeters. Um, is, that, is that what they're called, tweeters? Tweeters. Um, Hopefully they're um, – no one will be too intoxicated. <laughs> oh, I hope uh, they are. Oh, my gosh. I hope they are. Well, that could make for a really good show, Lori. I don't know. This is intensive, <laughs> is it? <laughs> Bring me all the drunk ones for sure. Uh, <laughs> I will. I will find the drunkest one in the, in the crowd. <laughs> we will put them on. Absolutely. We'll do a three-second delay. We'll be fine. Um, But there's a lot of great things also that that, that come out of social media, and that's kind of done through projects, hashtags, awareness. And um, we've seen that recently with um, with the the, the Bring Back Our Girls hashtag about the girls in uh, Nigeria that were kidnapped by the terrorist organizations over there. And that's that's actually been happening for years, evidently, but because of social media, the word finally got out on that, and now there's pressure on the government to put a stop to these kidnappings. And so you're seeing social media work in that capacity too, aren't you, Michelle, with, with hashtags for causes on, on a yes, local um, it's It's amazing how a hashtag can um, sort of bring awareness to something and it is amazing how you can reach so many people so quickly um, in this day and age. So, yeah, um, our next guest, who we're going to talk to later, Alex, he uh, started a hashtag um, for his son who's battling cancer, and it just took off. And it really has just um, brought awareness to cancer and has inspired people. And it's amazing how, because what you can do on Twitter is in the search engine you can you can put in a hashtag or words from a hashtag and they will come up with tweets that that have those words in a tweet and it's it's amazing um just how many people have joined in on on this Braden strong hashtag and you'll get to hear alex talk about that and how it how it's changed his twitter experience yeah so just to give people kind of a little background on on what a hashtag is a hashtag it's it's a number sign with a word behind it and so you can create that word and then if people search that word it will give them all all the tweets that that have been tweeted about that word or a combination of words so say you wanted uh, you, you were trying to get word out about Braden Strong. And when we saw it with Boston Strong, and we've seen it with um, uh, Bring Back Our Girl. So those are the captions. And so if you go in and, and you 
search in Twitter, bring back our girls or Braden Strong or Boston Strong, you will get a list of all the tweets and all the information that's available that people have used that hashtag so that you just don't have to. It narrows the search down is, is what it does. And it exactly. gives you a, a search just based on that that particular topic. Back in our day when we first got on, we were searching Fifty Shades of Grey, and it led us to all of these people who were interested also like us in Fifty Shades of Grey. So you could do Seattle music or you could do um, uh, Oscar movies or you could do, you know, President Obama or you could do Ted Cruz or, you know, whoever, whatever you're interested in, you can search a hashtag because there's a hashtag just about for everything out there. And it will bring up all these tweets, you know, um, and with some like-minded people like yourself, and then you can follow them or you can see what they have to say. A lot of times they have links that, that then send you to websites that you can find out information and stuff like that. And it's really been good in cancer awareness, and, and, I, and I, I've seen it come up a lot through 5K runs or uh, walks or uh, um, different things going on for awareness and support, and that's what they were doing with, with Braden Strong, right? Exactly. Um, it's amazing, like I said, that um, he sort of just made this hashtag up, not realizing how it would take off, and it's it's been it's been really nice to see. I think he has a picture on Twitter of him and his son, and I want to say the picture at this point has over 10,000 favorites to it, which means wow. on Twitter, if if you like a picture or a, a tweet, you can hit the star button, and that just means that you favored it. And then if you hit the retweet button, like I mentioned before, it will retweet out to your followers. And I think his picture has maybe seven over 7,000 retweets. Wow. To me, that's just so, yeah, amazing and- because Alex is just an everyday guy, um, you know, and again, not looking to make anything of himself with this. It just sort of took off because people are inspired, you know, by the whole Braden Strong thing. And just to have a picture of you and your son retweeted or favorited over 10,000 times to me is just mind-boggling. And favorite is is a way of saving it. So because there's so many tweets coming through your timeline at any one time. In fact, I've unfollowed some people just because I can't keep up with everybody. Um, they'll say, oh, Are you talking about me? Did you see that, that tweet? No. <laughs> but, you know, but, but in the beginning I was just kind of, you know, um, uh, following everybody. And, and, and now I, I can kind of narrow that back down to, you know, more topics that I'm actually interested in uh, because you miss so much. Uh, but by favoring something because your timeline is moving very quickly. In fact, I, I think I saw a, a report that said that people actually only see the 10 minutes at a time, that they'll only go back 10 minutes on a timeline. So after that 10 minutes, whatever, you know, nobody sees it. And I kind of did that survey myself, and it's true. I only will kind of go back 10 minutes. Um, and, and it's not that I'm looking for the 10-minute mark. It's just kind of that's where my attention stops. And I look over, and it's always usually right, right, right around the 10, it'll say tweeted 10 minutes ago. Um, so anyway, so, so your timeline is moving very quickly. So if you save something, say, say that you see it come up and – and, and you want to remember it, you can just hit favorite and it'll right. save and it'll go it in your favorite you. list and you can always Exactly. And then you don't have to yes. go digging for it and try to remember because oh my gosh, that is a nightmare. But yes, wonderful, wonderful things being done with social media. We're gonna go take a break, bring Alex on the phone. 
we're going to talk about the positivity that's happening in social media, and, and he's had this experience through Braden Strong. We're going to still encourage everybody to follow NYC underscore TweetUp, and get to, if you're in New York is such a large, large area. I'm sure people will come from all over to go to this tweet up in Manhattan on the 17th. It's going to be really interesting to talk to everybody. But anyway, you can find out more details on their on their Twitter site. And Michelle, why don't you give your Twitter site real quick so people can follow you? And and, and Michelle will be another go-to person for all things NYC tweet up. Uh, my Twitter handle is um, lovebug. It's L-O-V-E underscore bug 1016. All right. And see, it's it, it, it's just like um, CB radios used to be back in the day. You have a handle, and um, and this is her handle. So that's how you get a hold of Michelle is love bug yes, underscore, follow me. <laughs> or love underscore bug <laughs> 1069. So, you know, so we 16. are going to 1016? 1016. 1016, yep. Okay. Right. And uh, we're going to play Ed Roman. We just had Ed on. This is his other song, I Told You So. We're going to get Alex on the line. We're going to be right back. I told you so. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I hate to say it, but I told you so. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I hate to say it, but I told you so. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I hate to say it, but I told you so. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I hate to
on him to come but now we're back with my friend Michelle we're talking about social media and the power of social media we're brought on Alex Alex actually created one of these hashtags that we were talking about before and had some really good luck with it so it, it just shows you how you can narrow that search field down by a hashtag and then get your word out to to like-minded people so thanks Alex for coming on hey thanks for having me on the show I really appreciate it hi Alex Hello, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Hashtag Michelle. How are you? Hashtag hello. <laughs> Hashtag I'm good. Hashtag how's your day? <laughs> See, all of this is code. So all of this is is you. There actually are hashtags that say Happy Monday or Music Monday or Taco Tuesday or something like that. And uh, <laughs> it's it, it, it's actually fun to kind of create them. What made you want to create a hashtag, Alex, and then did you think it would have the success that it did? No, absolutely not. Uh, I just was being corny and goofy um, in a moment of real weakness. Uh, you know, I was feeling really down, and, you know, my situation's a little different. I mean, I'm not a – I don't want to say I'm not a big hashtag guy, but I'm just really not a big hashtag guy. Um, there's only a few hashtags that I've ever really searched for, or retweeted, or tweeted myself. And with mine, it was just some some kind of bad was making me. I don't want to say depressed or whatever, but I was feeling a little down, and I just tweeted something out that said, "Hey, you know, um, be fun, have originality, and you know, use this hashtag." And it just it just took off, you know. I just I thought it was great. Well, once a hashtag takes off, do, do you feel more responsibility towards that hashtag? More responsibility to the hashtag? Um, no, I mean, I just tweeted, honestly, I just tweeted nonsense to have fun. And, you know, I did, I did feel kind of cool that it took off, but more responsibility, no. I just, it was kind of, um, I, I'll use the word awkward for me, you know, I, I, I'm not really used to, you know, people reaching out to me and saying, you know, you're an inspiration or thanks or, you know, thanks for being motivational and inspirational. I'm not, I'm not used to that, but I had to get used to it really quick because I tweeted it just to be funny and goofy. And, you know, I'd like to tell you that I feel some responsibility for it, but, you know, it's just, it's really the people at Twitter that, I mean, it's, it's them now, you know, like, there, they some of the people will tweet really good um, and funny and sarcastic tweets, and then they'll put my hashtag in there, and you know that I love reading them, I really do. So responsibility towards me, nah, no, nah, it's these guys on Twitter, they're the funny ones. You know, I'm just the nonsensical one. So you actually do being, the he's being modest and... right now, Lori. Lori, he's being modest <laughs> right now a little bit because he is. <laughs> He doesn't want the attention, I get that, but Alex, you're, you are an inspiration to people, and I think it's a great thing that um, you have this account and that people are able to hashtag Braden Strong and get inspiration from you. And I know you don't, it's a, it's a big responsibility, oh, man, I, I, I you think. Know, you, know, you know I appreciate that, 
but it's not. Oh, it's you're not. you're the most appreciative person. I I know Alex. I uh, listen. It's not that. It's my son is the inspirational one. I mean, it, it's corny, and, and unless unless you, you've gone through, I guess something similar like this, it won't make sense to you guys. But I literally get to look at my son every day and see my hero. Every day I wake up, and just his smile makes me feel better. You know, there's some days that you know you you gotta you gotta really push to make him smile. You know, he has his moments of weakness, but most of the days, especially lately, he's doing really well. And, you know, it's not often that people in their lives get to meet their heroes. So he's my inspiration. And, you know, I, I, it, you know, I know you're saying I'm being modest. It's, it's just still a little awkward for me when people say that it's me that inspires them. Man, it, it comes from my son. You know, and it, I, I feel guilty because I'm the parent, and I'm supposed to be the one that motivates and inspires him. And in this situation, you know, it's it's the other way around. And it's it's. I feel guilty in a lot of ways, but I feel awesome because I get to look at him every day and just say, man, this little dude is my hero, you know, and, I, and I'm so grateful for that. I am so grateful for that. So I know, I well, know you, you, I'm being modest, but I'm not. I'm not. Do you go through the hashtags, Alex, and, and, and read the messages? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, I, and I, love, I love the majority of them. The ones that I really like are the sarcastic and, and funny ones, you know, um, my coffee was great and strong this morning. You know, I, I love those types mm-hmm. of tweets because that's what it was really intended for, you know, when I first started. Here's what happened is October 7th is when I found out my son had cancer. You know, literally he was going in to remove a benign, what we thought was a benign tumor. Uh, the doctor removed himself from surgery, came out in his surgical clothes, pulled me and my wife out into a separate room, and you could tell he was going to hit us with some bad news. You know, he looked at me and my wife, and he goes, this isn't benign, this is this is cancer, this is this is a real deal. And I remember just sitting there in, like, a, a, a haze, like, I don't know, what felt like hours, but it was probably, like, 10 minutes. I didn't say anything. I just tweeted something out with the hashtag greatest strong and said, hey, guys, you know, we just didn't get, we didn't get great news, but, you know, let's keep this on, let's keep it upbeat, and, you know, maybe make a, a sarcastic post, something along the line, a sarcastic tweet, something along the lines of, he can catch a bullet with his teeth and then use the hashtag great and strong, you know, kind of like those Chuck Norris tweets that everybody uses, something along those lines, you know, that's what I was really looking for. So when I search through these great and strong tweets now, you know, some of them are motivational and that's great. And I love them, you know, cause there's sometimes that they make me genuinely smile, but the ones that I really, really love are the ones that make me laugh. You know, mm-hmm. my coffee was great and strong this morning or, you know, uh, I, I, I stub my toe, but I realize there's other people out there fighting cancer. You know, brain, be brain strong today. Those, those are the great tweets, you know, things that also put things into perspective, too. I really love that stuff. But to go back to your question, do I search the brain strong tweets? Absolutely. I think, I think that they're great. It's still, it's still crazy to me that people are still using it. I, I mean, I love it. But like I said, I, I have no responsibility for that now. Like, this, these are... These are the people on Twitter, and they're doing a great job with it. I love it. Mhm. Well, does do you ever read any of them to Braden? Um, the ones that I read to Braden, um, you know, I, I like the Superman ones or the superhero ones. Uh, what 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 somebody did that was really good. Michelle could probably tell you a little bit more about this. Is somebody created a a group card where um, all of the people, a lot of people on. Um, Twitter got together and signed a big, huge group card, and Michelle had a big part in that. And 
there was a book that was created from it with so many people that signed it. You had to literally, it was no longer a card. It became like a book. So, um, yeah, I think you know, it was over two, maybe almost 200 people that signed it. And it was, that was what I read to them. Almost every single thing that somebody signed and wrote, you know, Braden, you're an inspiration, Braden, you're a hero, you know, keep fighting the good fight, stuff like that. That stuff I read to him, and he loves it, you know. I mean, I don't read it to him all the time, but, you know, we literally have a book. It looks like a magazine full of what people on Twitter, you know, were writing to Braden and saying, get well, stuff like that. You're going to kick cancer's ass, stuff like that. It was great. It was great. That's the type of stuff that I love reading to him. Mm-hmm. That just shows you, again, you know, when I, I truly believe that the, the, the majority of people want to do good, and they will do good if you can channel them and just tell them where to put their energy. You know, a lot, a lot of times they just don't know. But this is a really good example of them funneling that, that energy that they have on, on Twitter and, and doing something positive for it. And really everybody wins. I, I would imagine that it made Braden feel good and it made you and your wife feel good. And then all of those people that, that contributed to that card, Michelle, you can probably say more about that, but it made them feel good too. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, it's the same thing with the hashtag. People just want to feel good about doing something positive and when the card was being passed around, it was actually a link to go online and to write your own message, and you could leave a picture. A lot of people left their Twitter handles so they knew who who they were. Um, it was amazing. People were DMing me asking how to do it. Um, people even put the hashtag on their Abby pictures to show support for Braden when he had um, a procedure coming up. People are just happy to just feel part of something that, you know, cancer isn't a fun thing to talk about. It's it's a sad thing, but when you can turn it into something positive, I think people just want to be part of it. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, cancer cancer is cancer is a curse in a long a lot of ways. It really is. I mean but it's also a gift. You know, and I know that sounds really, really bad, but it can be a gift and shame on me for saying that it's a gift. I mean I should have been a better father before he got cancer, but, you know, it puts things into perspective, you know, it makes it, it makes things that you think that are important in your life seem trivial, you know, money was really important, working was really important, but I'm not saying it's not important anymore, but, you know, being around your kids, being around your family, that's what's important, you know, and you, and you miss a lot of things by focusing on things that will make you happy, you know, um, so in a lot of, in a, in a very, very weird way, and I'm not saying I'm grateful for him having cancer, I'm definitely not, I He's going to kick cancer's ass, and I can't wait for that day. But, you know, it's put a lot of things in perspective. And, you know, like I said, cancer is a curse. But if, you, if you're if you grateful for what you have, you can figure out a way for something like this to happen and see, see that it's not just a curse. It can be a gift. Exactly. You have to sometimes go through a lot of struggle to find your strength, and I think that's your testament to that. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I'm a testament to that. Braid, my my Braden boy, Braden. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was telling yeah, Lori I, I mean, earlier. I appreciate it. The picture of you. Um, there's a lot of pictures of you. Alex is a selfie pro on Twitter. If everyone didn't know this, but he's got a picture on there. And I was telling Lori that you. I don't know if you realize that it has over 10,000 favorites on it. We were explaining Twitter and how favorites and retreats work. And I was giving her an example of the picture of you and Braden. And how it's amazing to me that 
over 10,000 people have favorited that one picture. It's crazy to me too. I mean, I, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be completely transparent. It is, you know, there's a few of you guys that you know keep helping cause. You know, um, I know that you keep retweeting it. I know uh, Eddie keeps retweeting it. I know there's a bunch of other people that keep retweeting it, and I'm grateful because it's not just about. I don't feel, and I'm probably being a little narcissistic here. I don't feel like it's about. I don't feel like Braden Strong is about my son anymore. I feel like it's about making things that suck better. I feel like if you're having a bad day, try and make it a better day. You know, I really feel like that's what the hashtag is about now. And when people have 10,000 faves on a picture, like that's just, it's crazy to me. But it's, 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 I'm humbled to see it. I, I can't, I sit here with a smile on my face saying, uh, I, it's unbelievable, unbelievable to me that that happens, but I'm, I'm grateful for it. That, that means that, you know, you don't have to, there is a lot of negativity out there, but there are people that are still being positive about things, and that, that, that makes me feel better, you know? Lori, are you there? She's on Lori? She's I'm right here. Oh, I was like, oh, is this my show now? <laughs> no, I, I, I thought you might be going to jump in there. But um, I, I, I do think that it's easy to get tunnel vision on, on focusing on problems. And you, you do have to still continue to live life, and there's a lot of really great things that are going on in life. And when you see the kindness of, you know, almost strangers reach out and, and, and want to try to make other people's lives better, I mean, there's really a magic to that. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, it's 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 crazy to me, but it's so it's so it's so powerful. You know, social media is is crazy in a lot of ways. You know, and I do a lot of Facebook uh, slash Twitter posts uh, tweets. You know, I constantly compare Facebook versus Twitter. And Facebook is like your friends and family that say they want to help, but when you ask for the help, they won't do it, right? And Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's just the opposite. It's complete strangers that don't really offer to help. They step up on their own and do it. And, you know, I'm not going to say which one's better. I think you can kind of see which one I'm leaning to, which I feel is a little bit better. But, you know, I think social media is great. I think it's um, created relationships of people that, you know, you don't necessarily have to be around. You get to forge relationships with people across the world now. And, um you know, it's been it's been an amazing amazing year of of a oh, half a year almost now with Braden and Strong, but um, a year on Twitter really, uh, and it's it's been fun. You know, so when you ask questions about social media, I'll always step up and chime in. My my concern would be, you know, just have fun and be positive. You know, like you said, there's a lot of negativity, and it's really easy to me or anyone to sit there and say, woe is me, my son has cancer, boo freaking who? You know, and I know that that's what some people think that I'm doing on Twitter. I'm not, I don't mean to do that. I really don't mean to do that. I really want everybody to say, hey, man, there's, there's positive in this. You know, life, I, I jokingly say, and, and this isn't me who came up with this, life, life sucks, but life sucks for everybody. So that makes it fair. Step up and have fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, my I mean, grandfather used to say, my, my my grandfather used to always say, life is great as long as you don't get weak. And I've always remembered that um, because he really had a crappy life, you know. 
uh, when, uh, when he was younger. I mean, if anybody had a reason to crawl up in a, you know, in a ball and, you know, wish it all away, it was, it was him. Um, but he didn't, and he kept on going, and and you know, and and because of that, I'm I'm here today, and my brothers and sisters, and my aunts and uncles and cousins, and he has a long legacy of that. Um, but it is hard, and and I just want to go back to what you said. It, it, it's like it for everybody. Everybody has a bag of rocks, which means everybody has a problem, but everybody's struggling. And if we can help each other a little bit along the way, when we see someone we can help, then you know, a lot of reciprocity will come and hopefully somebody helps us along the way a little bit. And it sounds like, Alex, that, you know, that you, you're, you're probably even more open to that now after seeing that this come your way. You're, you're one of those people who kind of step up and, and, and put a good face forward and, and try to, you know, bring happiness and laughter to, to other people, probably even more so after having the great and strong experience. Well, I mean, I'm, I, I'm I, I'm humbled that you say that, but I'm no different than anybody else. I mean, I still think that me and my family, we're very fortunate. You know, my kid has actually responded very well to the treatment, you know, but there are other families out there that their kids aren't responding well to the treatment, you know. So you said something that kind of resonated with me, which is, you know, you do nice things and hope that it comes back. You know, my only advice is, and I'm not trying to correct you, I, I, I just I want, I want people to know that you can do nice things and not hope that it comes back. Just do nice things, you know, and and don't worry about it coming back. If it comes back, great. If not, who cares? Just keep doing nice things. Try to avoid keeping that checklist in your head of who's doing nice things back to you in return and, and focusing on those people, you know. Um, you know. Well, it comes back because you will feel better about yourself, and that that's the gift. Yeah. Well, when, 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 I, I, when you help someone else, it it really you're you're helping yourself and I always feel better when I'm and, and, and I'll go out to help other people because I um I want to feel better but I just notice that when I do help other people in fact I had a pastor on um last year about this. We we did a show on this and, and he said sometimes those things of being nice uh, towards other people and helping other people comes naturally, more naturally to some people than it does to others. But he was saying that it's it's great to train yourself to do that, to to make an effort to be a good citizen, to be a good neighbor, to be a good son, to be a good daughter, to be a good friend. Um, it's it's not as easy for some as it is for others, but it, sometimes you do have to force yourself to step out just a little bit. But when you do, really the, 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 the person who ultimately wins is, is yourself because you end up feeling better um, in the long run. And and, and I think that's what's happened with, with, with Braden Strong for, you know, for an uh, an example, it starts out, you know, kind of has, you know, maybe a little bit of sadness and all of these people come together who, you know, and, and they're all feeling good now. Everybody is happy. They're happy for you. They're happy for Braden. They're in this with you. Um, and, and, and it's created this little, family of, uh, of people who I, I'm sure um, the, Michelle will say that, that, that she's received benefit from this just in, in, in personal satisfaction and happiness, it sounds like. Oh, absolutely. Um, Alex is and you didn't start friend. out and for that to happen. No, I mean, it just sort of, you know, I saw Alex's story 
um, I think I just started following him on Twitter um, when this the Braden Strong thing came out, and I was I was inspired by it and definitely moved by not just him and Braden, but just everybody's um, willingness to to show support for him. And that's that's what I love about social media is that you you don't have to know people in person to care for them and to want to help. Um, I've made great friends through social media. It's been a great experience. And, um, you know, just doing the Braden Strong hashtag or helping out with the, the, the card that was sent to Braden, that's just stuff for me personally. Is It feels good to me to help somebody else, and there's I don't need any reward from it. You know, it's just that's just how I am. You know, mm-hmm. I believe in just help reaching out to people you care about. I mean, we all have our bad days. We all have our, our issues in life. And if you can help someone else through a struggle, then that's what life's about. Absolutely. All right. Well, we got to get people out to this tweet up and you'll meet wonderful people like we just introduced you to. And Michelle will be there. We're going to be live from the uh, Stout, is it the, the Stout Bar in Manhattan. Yes. On Saturday, the 17th, it's going to be at 8 o'clock Pacific and 11 o'clock Eastern. Thanks, Alex, for coming on and sharing your story. We really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No problem. And, and people can find that hashtag, Braden, B-R-A-Y-D-E-N, strong, Braden Strong, and they can put some uplifting messages on there and, and some funny things and, and, and uplift that, that whole community that's, that's searching under that hashtag. Um, so, Michelle, I'm going to be talking to you on Saturday. Thanks for coming on again. Yes, thank you, Lori. I look forward to it. No problem. And you're going to find me some drunk people. You promised, right? Oh, the drunkest. The drunkest of the drunk. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to go out with the old band Neil Frog. We just had them on. They had a huge Kickstarter that was going up. It was They were trying to raise $20,000 for a new album. And they hit that plus, and we appreciate everybody who supported Millfrog's Kickstarter. This is their latest song, Love, and you will be hearing more from them when their new album comes out.
our show, we would like to thank our listeners, our guests, and of course, our sponsor, Audible.com. We've included an easy one-click link to Audible.com where you can just go and browse and check out and see if catching up on your reading is right for you through an audiobook. The first book is free. doesn't cost anything to check it out. So check it out. Get back with us. Let us know what you think. And be sure to also check out NorthwestPrime.com for this interview and other great interviews that we've had with numerous celebrities and other entertainers in the past. Thanks and have a great day.